This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So what do you think? Is the spring market going to go full tilt in the near future, in the next week or two? You know, when we talk about the month of March, one of the things that I have known for years is that it always starts to pick up right after March break. Here we are. We're at the end of March break. I know some of you out there still have an extra week. Um, I know my daughter does. She's in private school, so she gets two weeks worth of vacation. But now are we going to start seeing the for sale signs pop up? In a few minutes, I'm going to have a special guest joining me. His name is Simon Giannini from Royal LePage. He's one of the top agents in Canada for Royal LePage. He's also been a host of a TV show uh, with Rogers and knows a lot about real estate. In fact, uh, he's the host of Real Estate Intelligence, a nightly TV show on Rogers. So we're going to have Simon join us shortly. But first, before we get into it, you know, Let's talk about what is actually happening in the market. We hear that Toronto is doing exceptionally well. And a couple of questions, of course, I'm going to ask Simon is, what do we perceive this year to look like? So other than that, also, I have another guest that's joining me from Money Sense Magazine and it is Romana King. And she's going to be talking about some of the top places in Canada to buy and also to be an investor. So that's later in the hour. So make sure if you are an investor and you are thinking of buying an investment property, you need to know where the best place is. And speaking of investments, of course, coming up is our new simple seminar on March the 30th at 7 p.m. You can go to the simpleinvestor.com to register. It's free. Leave your credit card at home, of course. And we're going to have a great evening. We're going to be talking about investment real estate. What makes investment real estate such a great investment? Where to buy and who makes the best tenant? These are all important things if you're thinking of buying investment real estate. But as I had alluded to earlier, I want to bring in my guest now, Simon Giannini from Royal LePage. He's one of the top people in Canada, folks. So we're going to be talking about investment real estate, regular real estate, everything to do with real estate with Simon Giannini. And Simon, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't we kind of dive into the market Is the spring market going to come with a bang or are we already in the spring market? I think we're already into the spring market. And by that, I mean, you know, we're seeing a flurry of activity. And just as we saw last year, very little inventory. And, you know, we're seeing multiple offers all around the GTA, 416, 905. It doesn't matter where. Everything is selling quickly because there are more buyers than there are homes. Simon, one of the things that, you know, I think both you and I, we get fed the information all the time, but we saw January and February be record months. And, you know, after last year, everybody's been predicting that the market's going to start to fall off. But yet here in the GTA, we continue to see a surge. Why? There's definitely consumer confidence. So first time buyers are are coming into the market. Interest rates remain low. And, you know, certainly I'm not a finance expert, but I've had the advantage of interviewing uh, some of the top economists across the country from major banks. And the consensus is the same. With the economy where it is, the Bank of Canada cannot do anything with rates. The banks cannot change any of the rates. You know, low interest rates are here for the next couple of years. It gives everybody a lot of confidence. At the same time, you have investors that have, you know, gotten their butts kicked in the equities and the stock market, mutual funds, zero confidence in that sector. So more and more people, as you personally know, as do I, are getting into real estate as an investment. 
It is becoming a solid asset class. As long as you know how to find the right property that cash flows, you know, the solid investment versus speculation, as we've talked about in the past, then it's a good investment. So you have a combination of first-time buyers and investors coming into the marketplace. You have solid inventory. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing every year a better educated consumer, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I would agree, Simon, because one of the things that, you know, we know that if people know the facts, they understand the process, from a realtor's perspective, of course, it makes it your job easier. But on top of that, we don't have the same issues that people used to say that, you know, I didn't know this, I didn't know that. You know, you've got to pick a professional realtor. The Mm -hmm. one most important thing, I think, is that if you go with somebody that's full-time, like yourself who's got the experience, you can guide people through a transaction. But, you know, you touched on something that I thought was interesting. You said, you know, first-time homebuyers. And, of course, coming through in February, in the middle of February, we had the new rules come out that CMHC had changed the fact that you had to increase your down payment over the price of 500000 up to 999000 Did you see any hiccup in that market? Well, first of all, I thought it was a brilliant PR move, you know, on the part of the feds trying to show signs that they're doing what they can to make the market more stable. I saw a lot of headlines in the industry, and with all due respect to real estate and mortgage agents, not all of them really interpreted it correctly. And I saw headlines that confused people. So a lot of people thought, hey, you know, I'm buying a house for 501000 I need 10% down. And it wasn't the case. It's still 5% for the first five hundred and 10% for the balance. So if you were buying $600,000 home, which was the Toronto average, we were talking about 6% down, which was a negligible difference. And if anything, I think a, a good move on the part of the feds because it's just solidifying things and it's just making our real estate market that much more stable. Well, you know, when we take a look at the U.S. market, you know, you and I both have lived through, you know, the crash of a real estate market, watching that go down. And a lot of the problem was is that people had no equity in their position. So, you know, they did too much financing, no equity left in the properties, the property value drops. I think the idea of this obviously, is to keep people with more skin in the game. So it makes them a little bit more serious from walking away from a transaction if things start getting tough. So yeah. would, you, would you agree long-term, I think that, I, I personally think this is going to be a great move long-term for our security? Absolutely. I mean, somebody's buying a million-dollar home, if they can come up with 7.5% down, which is what it worked out to be, then they shouldn't be buying a million-dollar home, in my opinion. I think that was part of the message that the Fed were sending because they just, they are looking at people growing their debt. And at a certain point, you know, how much mortgage should you really be carrying, especially with, you know, the rate of incomes? They're not going up at the same speed of obviously the prices. Joining me right now is Simon Giannini, and he is one of Royal Page's top agents and brokers in Canada. He is also the host of a nightly TV show called Real Estate Intelligence, and we're talking about the market right now. And Simon, you know, we were just discussing a little bit uh, a few minutes ago about, you know, we're coming into a spring market, but yet it doesn't seem like real estate has fallen off in the last, you know, 15 months, we've watched it. And, it, it, you know, we used to have a lot of cycles. You know, you and I have been in the industry for a long, long time. You'd watch the spring market come up. You know, it would really take off. Then you watch your summer. It would decline a little. You know, fall would pick up a little. But going through December, January, and February, we always watched it fall off. But the last 15 months, I think we're, we're fighting it. Like, it's just not happening like that. You know what? We're seeing it everywhere. There's no exception. Durham region, York region, Peel region, first-time buyers are buying up everything for four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, and the investors are right behind them buying up anything with a secondary suite, basement apartment, legal duplex. We're going out to Oshawa. Not that it's a bad area, but historically we were never seeing multiple offers, and now we're seeing 
$400,000 bungalows sell in three days with 10 offers in, you know, central Oshawa, which is unheard of until recently. So I think the weather certainly helped. And it's interesting when we talk about stats, you know, just because we compare February 2016 to February 2015, when we had, you know, minus 30 and Siberian snow levels, you can always see jumps in the volume or in the sales price. But generally speaking, there's confidence. And the other thing that uh, you and I both know that's really driving the market is the continued population growth. The Fed's just announced they're anticipating 300,000 people to come into Canada this year, and, and the forecast from Stats Canada is 100,000 of them are going to end up in the GTA. Some of the more ignorant consumers out there are imagining all uh, Syrian refugees, but we're talking about all immigration, 95% of which are self-sufficient financially. They're coming in with money. They're buying real estate. They're investing in businesses and real estate. So it's a good thing. But when we look at stats like volume continuously going up, well, guess what? They're going to continue to go up. That's just what we're going to see. Well, and that was one of the things that, you know, I've tried to point out a lot to our listeners is the fact that, you know, we've become a world-class city. We're drawing in hundreds of thousands of people to the city at this point. You know, we, we our population is growing when we see stats like last year, when they came out with, you know, 100,000 sales, it's not really as, you know, incredible with the fact that our population is getting bigger. People are coming here and they need to buy. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things that we have to monitor and say, hey, listen, it's good, but it's not crazy the way some people think. That's just regular turnover. You know, if, when the population doubles, guess what? Volume's going to go from 100,000 to 200,000. And some of the more ignorant in the media are going to say the market's going crazy. Well, no, it's just look at the pro rata volume and just look at the average price relative to incomes and everything's in line. You know, the fact is we have one of the most conservative banking structures in the world. And that's why what you and I both saw in the U.S. can't happen here. That to us, you know, obviously we need the security, making sure that people have the right systems in place, making sure that they come up with sufficient down payments. And of course, we've got CMHC that is able to insure the mortgages. So folks, if you've just tuned in, I'm talking with Simon Giannini from Royal LePage. We're going to be going to a break, but stay with us because we want to talk more about what's coming down the pipe this year, kind of a little bit of a prediction. So Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with Simon Giannini here on Simply Real Estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Just uh, before we went to break, I have my special guest, Simon Giannini, joining me. He is one of Royal Page's top agents in the country. He is also the host of Real Estate Intelligence, a nightly TV show on Rogers. When you deal with a professional, you get professional results. And Simon definitely is a professional, uh, long-term real estate professional, been in the business for uh, about 30 years. Just before the break, you and I were discussing what we're kind of seeing as a bit of a market trend over the last year. You know, we were talking about the incredible number that came down last year of 100,000 transactions. But you and I both know if we analyze this, we've got quite a population growth in the GTA area. So we need to see these numbers. Absolutely. I think that's just a normal growth. If you look at the stats, just on sales volume alone, in the late 80s, we saw 30, 40,000, 50,000 sales. And people were saying, well, those are great numbers and they're high numbers. And then, of course, they hit 75 and say, well, now they're really high. And now they hit 100. And, you know, if, if you just extrapolate for the next 10 years, just look at the population growth. So imagine in the next 10 years, Todd, we're going to see the GTA grow by a million people. That's 
400,000 households. So if we sold 100,000 homes last year and this year, in addition to the regular turnover in the market, we've got 40,000 new homeowners or new renters that's going to have an impact on the market and it's going to drive volume up. It's, just, it's simple arithmetic. You know, Simon, it's interesting because, you know, as you know, we've had a, a glut of buildup of condominiums in the downtown core. And you've got a few of those economists that are speculating, you know, that market's completely going to tank and crash. But yet we've, we're going to have the demand. This is the thing. We have enough people coming in that, you know, I'm not telling everybody that I think the condominium market's going to go up at the same rate as the detached homes. But at the same time, I believe there still is a demand and there is some supply there for people to be able to buy. It's a pet peeve of mine when the media reports only that, for example, you know, another 20 or 30 or 40,000 condos are coming on stream in the next 12 months. What they're not reporting, and maybe what they don't even know, is that 90% of them are already pre-sold. In fact, they have to be pre-sold before construction starts. And, and obviously, you know this, but most consumers don't. When you see a crane start construction, what that means is the developer has hit their break-even point, and that's a condition of getting the construction financing. So most of the units are pre-sold. When we look at the condo market as a whole, you've got to remember, it's not one big condo market. It's maybe 10 different markets. Mississauga Square One condos is one little micro market. That might be overbuilt right now. When we look at North York, Young and Finch, Young and Shepherd, there's probably a little bit too much inventory. But we look at the harbor front. When you look at Midtown, you look at Front Street, you look at King Street East, these are areas that have zero inventory. We're still seeing multiple offers. Again, most of them are pre-sold. So when a building is completed, you're going to see a little bit of turnover. Typically 20, 30% of the building is going to turn over and half of them are end users. And again, half of them are going to be those investors that are buying for the long term. Well, you know, and that's a great point because I don't think our listeners, you know, not, not everybody understands the construction financing aspect of it. And that a lot of times when a builder actually starts the development, if they do not sell enough units, they don't get their construction financing. And a lot of times, if and, and I won't say a lot of times, but it has happened in the past where they'll actually cancel the construction. You said it, it's rare, but if it's a new builder, for example, doesn't have the resources to finance it himself, or maybe they missed the mark, they overpriced the project, or they had the wrong product mix, you know, that kind of thing, then yeah, the deal either is put on hold for a little while or, or it's rejigged or it's canceled altogether. And what I've seen in the past is that I've actually seen another developer come in, kind of get a deal from them and then restart the entire development. So it, it starts off as one builder, but yet it ends up finishing with another. It doesn't happen that often, but back in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, there was a couple of projects actually out in the West End that this happened to where they didn't get it off the ground properly. So then somebody else came in and finished the build. Simon, what do you think? Is is this year going to be another solid year? You know, if you had a crystal ball, can you tell people this is a good time to buy or is it a good time to sell? What's your hope or what's your analysis for the year? I don't need a crystal ball because I'll tell you what I see. I see good confidence, both from the investor standpoint and from, uh, you know, the first time buyer, the end user side of the marketplace. So I really don't see any signs of any trouble. Could there be something dramatic? I don't know. I don't see anything for the next 12 months for sure, maybe even 24 months, because rates aren't going anywhere. For right now, the forecast is uh, sunny skies and temperatures in the 20s. <laughs> I like that. So one of the questions I have to ask you, and, and of course, this is if we're putting out the mindset of a seller at this time of year, you know, getting their house ready to sell, things like that. You know, is there something people can do to maximize their price? What is your advice to our listeners? 
you know, we still have our bread and butter clients that buy and sell, and we have this conversation pretty much every day. We can't just list any house in any condition at any price and get multiple offers. You see some of that, and I don't know if it's greed or ignorance, but you'll see some sellers come out, you know, their property might be worth 500000 they list it for five fifty, and they're hoping to get six. Well, it's not that crazy a market. What I mean by that is buyers have access to more information now than ever before. They know what your neighbors sold for. They know how many days it took. They know what the asking price was. They've got the interior photos. They've got the home inspection report, the floor plans. There's a lot of information out there. So if you want to maximize your sale price as a seller, if you're selling because you're ready to move, you're downsizing, you're upsizing, make sure your house is sparkling from top to bottom. So typically, for example, when we take on a seller, we'll actually have the home pre-inspected to make sure there's no issues that we weren't aware of. We'll make sure we'll get a stager in to look at the house, fresh coat of paint, start decluttering, move the furniture out. We'll make some repairs. Springtime, your landscaping better look good because it's the curb appeal that will bring people into the house. Make sure that you hire a professional full-time realtor that knows what they're doing because you're hiring them to negotiate your purchase. And, you know, the old saying says, you think hiring a pro is expensive, hire an amateur and see what happens. <laughs> you know what? I love that because that's the truth. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, both you and I have experienced even on the other side of the table. Simon, if uh, our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way to reach you? Well, they can give me a call, 416-979-0333, or they can check out our, our show and our blog at realintel.com. Excellent. Well, Simon, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate it. And you gave some great advice to our listeners. My pleasure. Have a great day, guys. Thanks so much. And by the way, folks, stay with us because when we come back, we've got Romana King from Money Sense Magazine, and she's going to be talking to us about the best places and the best increases in Canada. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Hey, listen, you know what? I really enjoyed the last guest, Simon Giannini. You know, it's funny because I was telling my producer, Ian Grant, that, hey, it sounds like I'm talking to myself in a way. Simon's got a lot of experience, just like myself. I think we're both 30 years in real estate and, you know, always nice to talk to a fellow professional that's been in the business for so long and has a really good understanding. So folks, I hope you listen to some of his advice, uh, especially when you're getting a house ready, because we do have the, uh, you know, we're at the end of the March break. Where where are you going to go? Have you decided? You know, and this is one of those things that I think people need to start, you know, and, and especially at this time of year. When you decide to move, you know, you got to put all your eggs together. And actually, you do put them in one basket. You make a decision, you're going to move. Don't waver. Know that you are there to achieve something, a goal. Now, before you set your goal on your price, one of the things I'm always going to encourage you to do is, A, you do your own homework, which we can do through going to MLS.ca and Google. But the problem is, is that you cannot get the definitive answer of what things sold for in your neighborhood unless you hire a professional realtor. But, you know, as Simon was saying, you know, hiring a professional is very important. And, you know, for those of you that tune in every single week here, you know that I'm going to encourage you to do this. But, you should probably turn around and interview one, two, three agents, make sure there's the proper fit, but then also see what they bring to the table because some agents will turn around and bring you so many comparables. Some will actually try to price it down. So they don't necessarily, you know, they're, they're being selective. It's like, well, you know, does this house have the potential? So if there was 30 sales in the market, will the agent bring you all 30 or will they bring a select 10? 
So one of the reasons why I tell you to perhaps interview more than one agent, maybe two or three, they may bring different comparables. And that is so important. You need to know the sold prices of virtually everything. So then you have the knowledge when looking at your home. Now, here's where most people make a tragic error. They always say, my house was better than theirs. My improvements were better than theirs. Oh, I did this. I did that. Now put on a buyer's hat. What you need to do is when looking at your home, especially when you're preparing your home to sale, stop thinking about it as the owner. Yes, it's your home. Now you have to start thinking of it like a buyer would. What do they see? What kind of home are they buying? Yes, I get it. You've got, you've, if you've been there for years, you've got all these memories. Well, here's my problem with that is that sometimes when they're so personalized, they're your memories. It's hard for a buyer to see past some of your stuff. So remember, it's better to stage, better to clear, better to open it up and let people envision your home as their home, not as your home. And I know that's a tough idea to get around, but go out and take a look at homes yourself prior to listing your home. Walk through them and get the mindset of what a buyer sees. Then walk into your house and see what you see. So to me, get your home ready correctly for the spring market and then determine when you're going to move. A lot of people sit there and say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to look for a six-month close, 12-month close. If you push your closing out, for somebody to meet that closing, you're going to actually probably get a little bit less money. What you do is you look for a standard closing time. Most people get between 60 and 150 day closings. 150 is a long, 60 is kind of short and average, but you know, anywhere between 90 and 120 is probably the average in the industry when we talk about residential properties. Now, of course it doesn't matter if you're buying an investment property because that's a completely different animal. We're talking about you picking up and moving in and the people moving out. When you buy an investment property, this is normally where you're assuming a tenancy. It doesn't matter when you close. You can close virtually in 30 days. If your financing can be arranged, your lawyers do their work, you can close an investment property in 30 days because you're not moving that tenant out. And the sooner that you do get control of it, the sooner you get to control the income from the property. So speaking of income properties, <clears throat> there was a recent study out by uh, Money Sense and the author was Romana King. And we're going to have her come up uh, a little bit later. But what we're going to do is let's talk about investment properties. What are some of the great markets? I want you to think about this yourself. Okay, where is the best place to buy a property, an investment property? Now, if you could pick any market throughout Canada, I want you to think about what that market is. Where would you buy if you're buying an investment property? Now, of course, at The Simple Investor, one of the things that we focus on is the outer markets. You know, we don't look at the Toronto area very often for an investment property. And one of the main reasons why, and mentioned in this article in Money Sense, was the fact that they don't cash flow. In fact, in Vancouver, the, the amount of rent you get basically costs about, uh, you'll get about to cover a third of the income of the actual property. Can you imagine? So you have to offset the expense by two thirds. So that means that you're coming out of your pocket could be three to $5,000 a month. Is that a good investment? Well, one of the reasons why people are doing this in Vancouver is that they're speculators. 
they're hoping that the value is going to go up so much that it'll offset their losses. And this is one of the things that people need to understand when buying investment properties. How much of a loss can you take while you let the value goes go up? And what happens if the value doesn't go up? That means you're going to be the one suffering the loss. So this is why at The Simple Investor, we focus on the outer markets. Now, of course, they do not have the mass increases, not the way that we've seen the GTA, you know, the 10 and 15% increases per year. But what they do is they have stability and they also have the ability to have the rent actually cover all expenses and give you some positive cash flow. Yeah, I know. Isn't that an incredible term? Positive cash flow. And this is what people should be focusing on. When Simon mentioned that, you know, that we're looking for positive cash flow, good investment properties, you've got a ratio. And how you analyze the ratio, of course, is you take a look at how much money you're putting down. And of course, buying an investment property, when done properly, you're putting 20% down on the property. Then you have your closing costs. So your total investment's probably about 22.5%. Now, from there, you've got to take a look at the mortgage rate. What can you get? Some investors prefer to go with a variable mortgage, and I personally think that's a great idea if you have the stomach for it. Now, if you want to go to the complete, I don't want to think about it mentality, then you go to a five-year fixed mortgage. And still, these rates are coming in below 3%. So the, the interest right now is still very good. So when we take a look at our our overall mortgage rates, I think they're staying down for quite a while. But let's take a look at a variable. The idea of a variable rate means that it goes with the Bank of Canada rate. And variable rates right now are still very low. Now, of course, the Bank of Canada, you know, when they come out with an announcement, they say, okay, we're staying pat at 0.5. So basically your rate's not going anywhere at this time. If they went to a negative, they're only going to go down so much on your mortgage rate because they still have to make money on this. Now, if they start punching up the rate, this means the potential of rates going up. But even at 1% a couple of years ago, when we were looking at it, the mortgage rates were still sitting in around 3%. Now, folks, that's a great deal still. And if you've picked the right investment property, you should be able to get positive cash flow. This is the most important thing that we need to focus on. Positive cash flow. You should not be out of pocket. I mean, you're already 20,000, 20, sorry, 20% invested in a property. You should not have to carry any more. So when analyzing it, make sure you keep a couple things in, into account. First and foremost, you've got your mortgage payment, your property taxes. If it's a condominium, your condominium fee. Plus, if you've got a management company running it for you, then you've got your management fee. Now, one thing that most people forget also is your insurance. You are required to have insurance on the investment property, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a big number, but still factor it in so you know how much you are spending. Now, when you put all of these together, at the end of the month, when you've got your full rent paid by your incredible tenant, that, of course, that you've been watching for all these years, you should have positive cash flow. If this is too hard for you to do and watch that tenant, then you can come to my simple seminar coming up on Wednesday, March 30th at 7 p.m. And I'll tell you who the best tenant is. And on top of that, I'm going to talk about some of our up and coming releases in the next couple of months and we do have a few announcements that we're going to be making. We've got some great product that's going to be opened up into the market. And it's going to be a first come, first serve 
scenario when we do the release. Now, we're not doing the release on the 30th, but we're certainly going to be talking a lot about investment real estate. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com today to register because I'd love to see you there. When we come back, we've got Romana King joining us and we're going to be talking about the article that she has in Money Sense. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. So earlier, I had promised you a very special guest joining me, and she is senior editor and real estate specialist with Money Sense Magazine. And by the way, folks, this is one of those magazines I encourage all real estate investors definitely to buy, and also homeowners. It's got some great information. So joining me now is senior editor Romana King. And Romana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I love talking real estate. For those people that love it, they love talking about it all the time. And I and I think I bore people after a while, but I love talking about <laughs> real estate. So, you know, that's why I'm ha- really happy to do this show. You wrote a great article regarding properties and some of the best cities and, and actually towns to buy in. And, you know, there's that one that nobody would believe. And I'll let you take it from there because it's kind of that anticipation. Where is the best place to buy and where are rents going up the best? Most people would assume that, you know, it's rents going up. It's got to be what? Vancouver. That's the hottest market. It's got to be Toronto. Everyone's moving to Toronto for jobs. And in reality, the best place in terms of, you know, being able to afford a home and getting rent that's going to cover your mortgage is actually Thunder Bay. Wow. You know, know, I'm pretty sure right now our listeners are going, Thunder Bay? (laughs) You know, half of them don't know how far north it really is. It actually has everything that a city needs, you know, because most people don't know what Thunder Bay is. Well, and that's the thing. Thunder Bay, I think, went through a bit of an identity crisis maybe a decade, two decades ago, where they said, you know what, the manufacturing, you know, in Ontario and Quebec, they need resources from the West. But that's kind of drying up, and we need to reformulate and figure out who we are. And they went on this sort of crusade to rebuild. And it's not a very big town, a big city. It's about 100,000, but it's one of the top 35 biggest cities as identified by the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, which is why it's on our list to look at. And what they decided to do is say, listen, we need to become the government center. We need to become a healthcare center. We need to become an education center. And that's what they've got. They've got great educational resources. Um, they've got the first northern medical school that was ever opened in 2000, and I think it was five or 2006. Uh, and then from there, they, you know, they get students in there. They've got healthcare workers in there. They've got a teaching hospital. They've also got uh, great government resources. It's kind of like the gateway to the north. So all the government resources and departments and, and all the facilities you need for government are located there. So it's really become a hub for that region of northern Ontario and even going into sort of Winnipeg, Manitoba, and, and into the prairies. Well, you know, and, and again, when I, when I first saw your list, I went, wow. Okay. And then, you know, it kind of, the, the light bulb went on. It kind of makes sense because, you know, we do a lot of investment properties and I do know the Northern markets are quite good, but you know, number two on your list, of course, is really no surprise. I mean, I think we've heard a lot about it over the last few years, you know, there's a big growth of it. And maybe you can tell our listeners um, what number two is. Well, number two is Hamilton. And actually, you know, on the top five of our 35 list, the top four were actually in, in Ontario. I think that it just goes to show you that the jobs are in Ontario. Uh, the economy is strong. And we've, we've been hit a lot by the resource sector slowdown, but, and manufacturing is hurt because of that. But it doesn't mean that all the dro- jobs have dried up. And when you're looking at real estate, 
you want a good job prospects because it's going to attract people that want to rent and want to buy. But you also want other amenities. You want, you know, the, the, the culture, the city. You want, you know, low enough buy-in so that you can actually get your mortgage. Hamilton has been known, and that's the number two spot. Hamilton's been known for a long time that it's a great cash flow town. If you buy a house in Hamilton and then you, you know, want to rent it out, there's a good, a lot of tenants that want to come in, rent out your property, and you can actually cover your mortgage because you've got probably two, three units within one property that covers your mortgage. Great cash flow in Hamilton. Yeah, and from from an investor's perspective, you know, obviously cash flow is very important because we want to be able to take care of the debt. But number five on your list is Vancouver. And maybe you can help us, guide us through that one because, again, from an investor's perspective, you know, it's more of a speculative market than it is truly a cash flow market. You know what? It's very high to get into the Vancouver market. It, it actually took us by surprise. We looked at our list and we said, you know, the numbers say Vancouver, but why? We need to understand this. A lot of what we do, myself and, and my colleague Mark Brown, when we crunch the numbers, is we take a look and say, does this make sense? We're not going to play with the numbers, but we want to understand this. And it does make sense for Vancouver only because Vancouver's job market and its economic prospects and its very low unemployment make it such a strong market, which means people are moving to Vancouver, but they can't buy in. It's so expensive to buy in. In order to get into the Vancouver market to, to actually be employed, you need to have a place to live. In order to have a place to live, you need to rent. So rental vacancies are very low, which means rental prices have gone up. So if you're already in the Vancouver market, you're, you're laughing. If you're not in the Vancouver market, it becomes quite easy if you can get in to find a renter. So suddenly, you know, if you can't, you can't buy a house and expect it to cover your mortgage, you need two or three units minimum in that house. But if you can do that, if you can swing it, I mean, it's quite easy to make your money back. Yeah. And, and again, that's one of those things, you know, every, everybody keeps saying, listen, you know, this, the, the Vancouver market's not going to sustain itself, but yet it's become a world-class city. I mean, there's a huge yep. draw. We've got a huge immigration, you know, there. We've got, as you mentioned, a great job market, you know, and, and listen, it's a beautiful city. So for a lot of our listeners, they need to know it's a great place long-term, but of course, pricing has gone up astronomically over the last few years. Now, I'm going to skip down the list a little because, of course, our listeners, our hub here, the GTA, coming in at number 15, you know, I think a few of us would be going, hey, wait a minute, but the Toronto market is a good market. Why Why 15? Why 15? Well, we were hurt a little bit by the fact that our prices have gone up so high. I mean, yes, Vancouver's gone up really high, so why, why was Vancouver not penalized and Toronto was? Well, when we looked at our rankings, Vancouver wasn't penalized because their, their job prospects and their economic growth for that city is extremely strong. Toronto, not so much. We have been hurt. We have been hurt by the financials. Banks have not done as well this year. We have a lot of financials in this city. It's propped up by financials. So we're also going to get some of that job loss. Um, we do have a low vacancy rate, but housing prices are really quite high. And, and we have rent control here, which means you can only appreciate your prices by so much. And after that, you can't do anything. So... Landlords have a bit of a tougher time trying to find tenants and making the, the mortgage payments and making the, the rent payments. It makes it a bit of a tougher market. It doesn't mean that it's a bad market to buy in. It just means that you need to really check your fundamentals, make sure that it, you know, you're looking at everything 
um, you know, the price that, that you're buying into, can you actually get the rent? If yeah. You can get the rent, are you getting the right tenants in? Well, and, and that's part of the problem is, of course, now with our builders, you know, they're, they're exceeding $600 a square foot. And so if you're looking at your basic 600 square foot unit, 360000 the average rent is not fully carrying the debt, your maintenance fees, your property taxes, everything included there. It's making it really tough. So positive cash flow, obviously, in, that, in, in this marketplace is a lot tougher than it was, let's say, a few years ago. Now, I'm going to skip down one spot, actually. And this one, again, a little bit of a surprise because it means that it's got a little bit of life being added to it. It's Windsor. And number 16 at Windsor, are you seeing some strength in the Windsor market? We are, actually. And I think you touched on something. It, it was impacted quite badly a few years ago, five, six, seven years ago, when the, the housing market fell out of you know the U.S. And then you know manufacturing got hit, finances got hit, Windsor got hit quite badly by that. But we're starting to see some growth again in Windsor. I think part of it has been just the city realizing that they need to rebuild. They need to pump a little bit of resources back into the city. But housing prices came down a lot in Windsor. And I think that's what's actually helping it right now. Vacancy is still a little bit higher than most places. Uh, it's actually lower than our number one ranked city, which is Thunder Bay. The vacancy rate is about 3.8%. Um, so it's, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, anywhere from 2 to 4% is quite manageable if you're a landlord and, and, and need to find tenants. Um, but the housing prices are starting to appreciate quite quite a bit more. And, and rent is quite... I mean, it's, you're looking at about $750 a month on average for a rental unit. That's not bad when you're looking at, a, you know, a lower price point to, to buy in. And just a quick question for you, because maybe you can, you know, help our listeners understand this. Uh, rent control, you know, we're taking a look. Uh, apparently NDP wants to bring it in or they've already brought it in, into Alberta. Is this going to have an adverse effect to that marketplace when we talk about tenants and being a landlord? Well, I mean, it depends on the perspective. If you're a, a tenant, I'm sure rent control sounds great. If you're a landlord, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, there's always great landlords out there, and there's always great tenants, and there's always the reverse, right? And great landlords realize if you jack up the te- rent too high, you're going to lose really great tenants. So I think in some respects, I think the market actually does manage itself. If you really want great tenants, you're not going to jack your rent up really high. You're not going to, you know, increase it by 10%, 20% each year because you want those good tenants in. You want them long-term. You want to keep them happy. When you introduce rent control, suddenly you've got, you know, not so great tenants that have a bit more protection. Uh, they don't, you don't have the luxury or the ability to raise rent to sort of combat escalating costs. When you do want to raise rent above extenuate, you know, if there's extenuating circumstances, you have to apply to a, a landlord-tenant board. You have to get permission. You have to go through, you know, a few months process minimum. It becomes quite difficult. Um, you know, I'm not pro rent control or, or you know, con rent control. I think that it just has to be a decision that that's taken with every every facet in mind. You have to really look at all the factors. And and in Alberta, you know, you're looking at a market that's been hit pretty hard already by the resource sector. They might want to reconsider if this is the right time to be doing something like that. I know it plays well to elect uh, you know to the electorate that are renters. You've got a market that's been hit very hard. I think, if anything, you want to try and stimulate the economy as opposed to put hindrances into it. Yeah. So, Ramona, that is some great advice uh, for our listeners, and I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm hoping that maybe in the near future we might be able to have you come in as a guest and you can take some uh, calls from our listeners. Um, because, you know, love, love your articles. Uh, and again, I will always encourage people to read your articles and the, uh, the magazine Money Sense. So, Romana King, thanks so much for joining us today. 
Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. So, folks, you know, it's it's amazing to have a professional like that join us on the show because Ramana is uh, years of experience, definitely an authority on real estate and, you know, some great advice there and some great insight. You know, Thunder Bay, who would have thought, you know, probably the top city or top, um, you know, area right now in Canada for investment real estate and real estate in general. Rents are strong, uh, prices are low, which gives you, an investor, an opportunity. So speaking of investments, remember, coming up on March the 30th, Wednesday, we've got the Simple Seminar. Make sure you go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register today, and I will see you there. So for all of us here at Simply Real Estate, I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>